Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, as I've spoken to thousands of people across this province, I am alarmed to hear from nurses who say how often they find that they are outnumbered on hospital wards by private agency nurses. Now, you can imagine how shocked it was to learn that under the NDP government, we have had an explosion of private contractors working as nurses in our hospitals. Some from as far away as Newfoundland and others that are just leaving the public sector to go join the for-profit sector. Now, the amount of money that the NDP are spending on private agency nurses has skyrocketed by over 600%. Now, this is not only a massive waste of taxpayer dollars where we're paying up to three times more for the same nurse who was once working for the health authority and is now working for a private agency contractor, but it's also wrong, it's inefficient, and it's destroying the morale of our nurses. A nurse from the interior says, and I quote, for the first time I have thought about becoming an agency nurse. No overtime, no stress, no phone ringing on my days off, and I would make double to triple what I make right now. But I feel like I would be leaving my co-workers high and dry, end of quote. Mr. Speaker, there is no better picture of a health care system on its last legs than our current NDP Minister of Health using a backdoor approach to bring in for-profit nursing to prop up a public health care system that is in collapse. So will the Minister of Health, who has clearly run out of ideas, do the right thing and resign? Minister of Health. Honourable, Honourable Speaker, uh, the Nurses' Bargaining Association has increased by 18% since I became Minister of Health. <laughs> We've taken steps to dramatically increase training spaces. Just recently, in February, 604 more nursing spaces. We've taken significant action to add and improve pathways for internationally educated nurses, Honourable Speaker. And yesterday, one of the most significant things requested by the BC Nurses Union, by the Hospital Employees Union and others, we improved and we laid down improvements to safety in our hospitals to address issues of violence. And I would just contrast this, Honourable Speaker. The only Minister of Health in recent memory, NDP or Liberal, who saw the decline in the number of registered nurses under his or her watch was the leader of the opposition. Honourable Speaker. It's sometimes not so nice to be unique, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker. And I would say this that it was the leader of the opposition. We in British Columbia, yesterday we spoke to this, have established an agency to support nurses and other health care workers in their occupational health and safety. You may say, why did you need to create such an agency? Why did we have to create such an agency? Because there was one, and that leader of the opposition eliminated it. Wow. <laughs> members, members.
Leader of the Official Opposition Supplemental. Well, you know, Mr. Speaker, we have to remind this member that they're in their second term of government. And the public is learning that every time they get in trouble, yeah, exactly, that's what the public's thinking. Every time, every time they get in trouble, Mr. Speaker, they make an announcement. So I'm glad the minister made another announcement, but frankly, your announcements haven't made a difference in results. And what the public is very quickly figuring out is that when it comes to results, this government gets the worst possible results. Under this minister, we have hallway medicine. We've got the longest walk-in clinic wait times in the country. Well done. We've got people literally dying in overcrowded waiting rooms, just waiting to be seen. That's the record of this minister and this government. And it's this minister that he just talked about, he loves spewing out numbers. He just talked about an 80% increase in nurses. I'm talking about a 600% increase in for-profit contract nurses that this member is also overseeing. Now the president of the BC Nurses Union, Amon Grewal, says, and I quote, there are units in hospitals where it is all agency nurses, end of quote. Now, I'd love to tell the House what the tainted incoming Premier thinks of this, but he's had nothing to say about health care, not one idea during that entire joke of a leadership race. But by contrast, the only leadership candidate that had a health platform, Anjali Apadurai, promised action, saying, and I quote, we have an acute crisis of nurses leaving the system where they're able to get wages that are higher in the private sector, end of quote. The Minister of Health has completely lost his way. Will he do the honourable thing, step aside and let somebody else try and fix the broken system that he is over? Minister of Health. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I think our teams of nurses and doctors and health sciences professionals and healthcare workers have done an extraordinary job in this period of two public health emergencies, Honourable Speaker. That performance is recognized everywhere, I think, uh, and uh, I think uh, other than perhaps uh, by the Leader of the Opposition. Since I became Minister of Health, we addressed and have addressed a health human resources uh, challenge by adding net 38,000 people to the health care system. The, the, minister, the, the leader of the opposition says that an 18% increase in nurses and nurse bargaining association, that doesn't matter. Well, maybe if you cut registered nurses when you were Minister of Health, you would think so, but he is the only person in British Columbia who believes that. Members, one question at a time and one answer at a time. Let's continue. Member for Prince George Wilmot. Well, thank you very much. And uh, the conversation is not about the job that actually nurses and physicians and radiologists and all of the healthcare professionals are doing. They're doing a fantastic job. This is all about the job that this minister isn't doing. the minister is relying on bringing in private company nurses 
at a salary range that is up to three times more than the pay of their colleagues. So the minister can dismiss that, but what it is doing, it is, it is driving nurses out of public health care to go to a private contractor so they can come back to work in the very same unit for th up to three times more money. And the minister simply dismisses it. Here's what a nurse from Vancouver told us. I'm expected to show up every day and work in a toxic workplace for an employer that doesn't respect me. To add insult to injury, I'm now working side by side with agency nurses who are doing the same job that I am for nearly twice the pay that I earn. And they are former colleagues that I've worked with in the same unit for over 10 years. And, Good job. Good job. and the minister can smile and ignore all of these details. It is demoralizing to nurses. He is relying on privately contracted nurses to prop up the health care system. It is time he did the right thing, stood up and resigned. Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And for members of the opposition to talk about privatization, Honourable Speaker. For the leader, well, Honourable Speaker, uh, the authors of the largest layoff of women workers in the history of North America, Honourable Speaker, there they are, Honourable Speaker. Members. Members, members, yesterday we had a wonderful question period, very dignified, very respectful. Let's try to maintain the same spirit, please. Thank you, Minister I, of Health. I, I don't know what's changed, Honourable Speaker. I don't know what's changed. Um, uh, Honourable Speaker, what we focused on is adding nursing positions, adding nurses. When I became Minister of Health, we were last in Canada in nurse practitioners. We were 10th in Canada in registered nurses. We had fewer nurses, believe it or not, registered nurses, registered nurses in 2016 than we had in 2009 when the leader of the opposition became Minister of Health. We are dealing in a period of pandemic and of course responding with urgent measures where they're required to ensure people get the care they're required. And that is my responsibility as Minister of Health and you bet I'm carrying it out. Prince George Wilmont supplemental. Well, thanks very much. And the part of the answer that the minister ignored was that under our government, we had the best health outcomes in the country. because he's well familiar with Kai Hai, and that is exactly who made that, uh, made that looked outcomes. at outcomes. So let's be clear, this minister today hasn't denied the use of privately contracted nurses. In fact, he's celebrating the fact that he is using privately contracted nurses at up to three times more the salary than, than nurses that are working in the public health care system. And apparently that's acceptable to the minister. Well, it isn't to the BC Nurses Union. And here's what the President said. President Amon Graywall said, it's a bit of robbing Peter to pay Paul type of situation because they're leaving one employment to go to do an agency nursing, we're still at a loss, end quote. 
The minister has created such a mess in the healthcare system. It has collapsed. It has come to the fact that he has to hire contracted nurses so that British Columbians can get some semblance of care. This is not about nurses. This is not about doctors. This is about a minister who has failed in his portfolio, who has created a mess, and it is time for him to accept that and step aside. Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, as members will know, if you're waiting to get surgery, we are around the bottom of the country when I became Minister of Health. And now, in many categories of hip and knee replacement surgery, we're number one. Where we did, well, Honourable Speaker, we count these things. And it, those, those, that's kind of, uh, the, the, the leader of the members, opposition. Members. Uh, the leader of the opposition, members. Honourable Speaker talks about Kaihai data. That's Kaihai data, Honourable Speaker. That's Kaihai data, and it demonstrates that. When you were waiting in Northern Health to get diagnostic care, Honourable Speaker, and you, we've added and uh, more than doubled the capacity, for example, for MRIs in the Northern Health Authority, we were waiting, and now we're waiting dramatically less time there and across British Columbia. With respect to nurses, the, the opposition says 18% more in the bargaining unit is not good enough. I agree. That, and that's why we're adding nursing spaces, Honourable Speaker. We're adding internationally educated nurses. We're addressing the situation that we face in front of us, ensure that people get the care now and get care in the future, Honourable Speaker. That's what we're going to continue to do, which is strong action to respond to the challenges facing a health care system that's dealing with two public health emergencies and health care workers and health care professionals who are doing an outstanding job. Leader of the third party. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Speaking of public health emergencies, yesterday, Capital Daily and Burnaby Beacon published a story about the reality of how COVID was spreading in our schools in 2021. While the story the provincial health office and the government wanted to tell did not match what was actually happening. Can the Minister of Health explain to the public what happened? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, what's happened uh, throughout the pandemic is outstanding leadership by our provincial health officer and here on Vancouver Island by our, our chief medical officer of health, Dr. Henry and Dr. Stamwick have done an outstanding job. What's happened in British Columbia is that in schools in particular, schools stayed open in British Columbia providing health and educational benefits for children that are incalculable, Honourable Speaker. We have the best record, Honourable Speaker, of any jurisdiction in the country because of actions of ministers of education and ministers of health, but mostly the actions of teachers, Honourable Speaker, the actions of parents, the actions of students, Honourable Speaker, who did an outstanding job. The uh, there's a reference to an email, Honourable Speaker, there's a reference to an email from Dr. Stanwyck, Dr. Richard Stanwyck, now retired, and Dr. Henry, Honourable Speaker, that said that COVID cases during spring break were going up, which was the pattern we had seen in winter breaks as well. In other words, transmission was less during school than it was during break periods. What Dr. Stanwyck recommended is that we remind people to stay home when they're sick something that we've been doing since February of 2020, and something we doubled down with when we became the first legislature in Canada to pass sick day legislation by the Minister of Labour.
These are the third-party supplemental. Speaking of doubling down, Honorable Speaker, <laughs> astonishing. For those who didn't read it, here are some quotes from the article that was published yesterday. The provincial health officer's own advisor, including Dr. Stanwyck, warned her of, quote, daunting spikes in school exposures. And yet, Dr. Henry wrote to her staff, quote, we need to be able to give some data that supports what we're saying, <laughs> i.e. that transmission in schools is low. We have a narrative, and we need the data to support it. Yeah. She then told the public over and over again it is that transmission totally in schools was low, denying the reality that teachers and parents were experiencing in their real lives over and over again, gaslighting. And all the while, all the while, what was happening? A study was being co-authored by the PHO herself. And now we know that 70 to 80% of children and youth have been infected with COVID more than any other age cohort in BC, and that between March and August of last year, spread among kids was 92 times higher than what this government was reporting. My question is to the Minister of Health. Let, let's hear the question, please. Members, let's hear the question. My question, wow, these guys are desperate. My question is to the Minister of Health. In light of this information, how can we trust his word and the word of the provincial health officer? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, uh, I think um, British Columbians think, the world thinks, that we have an outstanding provincial health officer. Honourable Speaker, uh, uh, Honourable Speaker, perhaps I'll let the uh, opposition have its discussions. Uh, just uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, the leader of the Green Party quotes Dr. Stanwyck, who is referring to a spike in COVID cases during spring break of 2021, and then she says the response from Dr. Henry was the one she re reported. That response was an email from December the 23rd, Honorable Speaker. Oh, oh. I, I, I just think that, Honorable Speaker, that to, to imply that one is a response to the other is inaccurate. It's inaccurate, right? And, and, I, and I suggest, Honorable Ma Speaker, not, not worthy of a question in this House, Honorable Speaker. Not worthy, Honorable Speaker.
keynote speaker, the email from Dr. Stanwyck came following spring break, and Dr. Henry's advice, honorable speaker, continued to be what it should have been, which is stay home when you're sick. In December, at a time of high contract tracing, uh, the, the advice continued to be, we briefed on the same day the email was put out, and the advice is, as it continues to be, that people need to be careful and stay home when they're sick. It was a time of contact tracing, and seeking out more information on that is not unreasonable. Honorable Speaker, Dr. Henry has consistently provided her best advice, and the suggestion that she did otherwise is simply incorrect. Does that mean that she's right every single time? Of course not. This has been an evolving pandemic that's challenged health officers everywhere in the world. We have had a level of service from Dr. Henry in terms of transparency to the public that is second to none, and a level of advice and guidance that has benefited the people of BC. Thank and you. you can go to any grocery store or any place in BC and you'll get the same answer. Dr. Bonnie Henry is outstanding. Opposition House Leader. Mr. Speaker, every day we hear more stories of a healthcare system that is collapsing in British Columbia. Alan writes, and I quote, I recently spent 16 hours in the emergency waiting room with extreme chest pain. I'm 73 years old, and this was a horrific experience, end quote. The NDP's massive failure on healthcare comes against a backdrop of record high amounts being spent on administration, while British Columbians face increasingly dire results when it comes to healthcare delivery. In fact, financial statements show that despite a crippling health healthcare staffing shortage, the amount of funding that's going towards corporate administrative expenses within health authorities under this minister has increased by one point $3 billion, billion dollars over the past five years. That's nearly double the level that it was in 2017. Good job. How can this Minister of Health justify spending $1.3 billion more on administrative costs when British Columbians like Allen aren't able to get the care that they deserve? Will this minister do the right thing and resign? Minister of Health. Honourable Speaker, I'm glad that the uh, Leader of the Opposition was lauding the Canadian Institute for Health Information because they actually measure these things. And what the Canadian Institute for Health Information uh, shows, Honourable Speaker, is pretty straightforward. There's a corporate services expense ratio that compares jurisdictions. And what does it show? It shows that BC has one of the lowest rates of administration in the country. It shows that the situation has improved since 2016. In fact, that level of administration has been reduced. And why has it been reduced? Because we've been hiring more nurses and more healthcare workers. We've been bringing big... Uh, Honourable Speaker, 
that's, that's, why we, that's why we measure these things, Honourable Speaker, and the record, Honourable Speaker. That's why the Canadian Institute of Health Information measures these things, so that when people stand up and make statements that are incorrect, it gives us a chance to correct them, Honourable Speaker. It's a very positive situation. One of the reasons why we are increasing the number of surgeries increasing the number of diagnostic exams, increasing the number of staff, is to respond to these very issues. Because when you're waiting for care, whether it's in an emergency room, whether it's for an ambulance, or whether it's for surgery, Honourable Speaker, that's the most important thing in your life, and we know it. And that's why all of these actions have been taken. Increased nurses, increased doctors, increased surgeries, increased diagnostic equipment, so that the people involved, the people who benefit from those things, We'll see the consequences, Honourable Speaker, in a positive Thank way. You. We are living, Honourable Speaker, through two public health emergencies, and our health care teams are doing an outstanding job. Can we do better? Absolutely. And that's why we're taking these actions. Opposition House Leader Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We'll talk about a health minister that is completely out of touch with British Columbians when it comes to the delivery of health care. One in five without a doctor, people dying in hallways and ERs, uh, people dying waiting for an ambulance to arrive. ER closures have become routine in communities all over the province. And this minister stands up and, 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 and portrays a system that uh, apparently is the best in the country. You know, what British Columbians really uh, care about are positive outcomes, positive results. So against that backdrop, you can imagine how outraged British Columbians are to learn that under this minister, there are now 64 vice presidents across health authorities, uh, each earning approximately $400,000 apiece. Wow. Now, this does, nothing, this does nothing for people like Tina, who says, and I quote, I am now facing a mental and physical health crisis, and I have no doctor. I am falling through the cracks of a broken health care system, and there must be accountability from this incompetent health minister and his team of no answer, no show, no help, end quote. How can this health minister justify having 64 vice presidents across the health authorities making on average $400,000 each and spending $1.3 billion more on administrative costs today than in 2017 when people like Tina can't get the health care that they deserve when they need it? Resign, Minister. Minister of Health. Honourable Speaker, uh, I think, uh, Honourable Speaker, the reason why the Canadian Institute for Health Information keeps the statistics is to show contrast. We were last in Canada, 10th, in registered nurses in 2017, and that has impact on outcomes, Honourable Speaker. In 90% of our care homes, we didn't meet staffing standards because we had a government that had launched a 15-year war against workers, Honourable Speaker in healthcare that affected the quality of care, Honourable Speaker. And that affected it in all, in every care home in British Columbia. And it's why we've taken the actions we've taken to get rid of, for example, the agency that was set up to contract outwork, Honourable Speaker, to rid that and to bring that back into health authorities so that, Honourable Speaker, we can have health care workers working for health authorities and so that we can recruit health care workers that we need in the future to do so. We've added care aides, we've added nurses, we've added health sciences professionals, we've added doctors, Honourable Speaker, and still, Honourable Speaker, 
in the context, and Honourable Speaker, they still talk about their fantasy of privatization, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker. When that group on the other side of the House damaged our health care system for a generation through privatization schemes that made no sense. Our investment has been on to frontline staff. We're going to continue to do it because it's those frontline staff that deliver the care British Columbia needs. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the contrast of the fantasy that this minister promotes and the reality of British Columbians that have health care needs is staggering. Every day we hear stories about the collapse of the health care system under this minister's watch. Linda recently shared her story with me. She's a 73-year-old woman going through waiting lists. Waiting lists for a mammogram. Waiting list for an ultrasound. Another waiting list for a biopsy. And yet another one for her surgery. And after these waits, when she finally had surgery, the tumor had grown so significantly that she was now stage four. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us. The radiologists warned us of the tsunami of late stage cancer cases. And because of the progression while Linda waited, she now has to undergo both radiation and chemotherapy. But instead of helping to work, uh, helping on, on working to help Linda, this minister has put 1.3 billion additional dollars in increased administrative costs instead of frontline workers. How can the minister justify this 1.3 billion dollars in additional administrative spending, or the 64 vice presidents each earning 400,000 each? all while Linda can't get the care that she deserves. Will he do the right thing and resign, or will he wait to be fired by the tainted premier delegate? Members. Members, are you interested in the answer? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable uh, Speaker. Every case in British Columbia matters, every single one, Honourable Speaker. This has been, as people in this House know, an extraordinary period for public health care. Two public health emergencies that aren't even recognized in their questions, Honourable Speaker when they ask about the health, as if they didn't exist, as if it's not there, as if COVID-19 is still not an international health emergency in a pandemic in BC, which it is, as if there aren't 15,000 people off work this week in healthcare in very significant respects compared to the average because of COVID-19, as if these things aren't happening. And in this context, Honourable Speaker, in this context, Honourable Speaker, we are delivering, and Honourable Speaker, you know, uh, Honourable Speaker, I guess Members, the, please. The, the, the opposition health, le house leader is continuing 
to heckle. They seem to suggest that the questions are serious and then they don't behave that way. That's fine. That's their business. Members. Thank Mr. you, Honourable Mr. Speaker. Continue. Um, with respect to radiology, so every case matters. And, and when people struggle in getting access to the system, the system needs to respond to that. And, it, and in very significant ways, it is. Honourable Speaker, after a long period of government, we were last in Canada in MRIs. Right? We've done 174,000 MRIs in the 2016-17 fiscal year. That's 174,000 people, and that seems like a lot. Last year in a pandemic was 296,000. If we were still at 174,000, wow. can you imagine what the circumstance would be in radiology? But we're not. And why are we not? Because we went from one, one MRI machine going 24-7 to nine, Honorable Speaker. We went from four going 16-7 to 18, Honorable Speaker. And we added 17 public MRI machines. Equally, with respect to CT scans, you know who we pay for? We pay for tech. We pay for staff who support and schedule those appointments. We pay for radiologists. Those are the things we pay for in providing that care. We've gone from, frankly, 22 per thousand in the Northern Health Authority, Honourable Speaker, that's mostly represented by BC Liberals, to more than double that in terms of MRI. That, Honourable Speaker, is a record we The balance question period.